Dan. Dry, Dan. Dry. As if I can. There is no dry. There is only do. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Well, I don't think that we can help to talk about. We can't help it? We can't help it. We can't help it. We have to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... 8.54 a.m. Saturday, January the 23rd, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here we are uh, in the treehouse, uh, festooned with uh, fairy flecks and uh, gorgeous little... Um, I feel bad for the runt candle there. Um, <laughs> the runt candle? The runt candle. <laughs> There's a runt candle in our midst. and uh, I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. I feel bad for my heart goes out for the runt candle surrounded by glowy... Ah, ham and eggs. Fiery, uh, flamey <laughs> candles, but the runt candle is kind of dim and kind of... <laughs> recessed and doesn't glow with the same fiery brilliance of his neighbors and uh, but the neighbors are not upset with that well we don't know that diane oh, I, know. I feel the pressure put upon the runt candle uh, pardon me i'm gonna have another drink of coffee i identify with the runt candle diane deep deep within me you boy there's something that's good coffee that uh, i definitely to, relate to the runt the runt candle Doing its best, struggling, but persevering in the midst of his own torment. Anyway, it's Saturday. Time for another shill. Has it been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine? I guess it has. Uh, in the mental landscape, the it's mental been, landscape yeah. has been quite hectic. Right. I think you know. I I feel like this is one of those weeks where I'm trying to remember. What I did. And did I do anything this week, Diane? You worked on your poetry book. I worked on my book. Yeah, I did. That's true. I did that. Okay, good. And I did uh, I did a, an afternoon of work at the doctor's office. And I, you know, had various therapeutic uh, treatments, um, as is my wont. And, um, yeah. I'm deep into this series of mystery books that it's kind of brain candy, but it's really, it's literature. I'm quite enamored of Louise Penny and her series of Inspector Armand Gamache mysteries. So I did that and I read a lot of poetry this week, wrote a little bit. And you did the Treehouse concert? I did that, too. Yeah, that's true. I did that. So it has been kind of hectic. It has been kind of hectic. You know, I like the way the Treehouse concert has kind of just become part of the, kind of the, you know, The flow, flow of a week, the yeah. The flow of a week. It's nice. It's nice. It's like, I, I never would have imagined this kind of, uh, uh, what? What would you call it? It's kind of the luxury of... Being able to perform every week. That's nice. I like it. I can't believe people aren't sick of it. I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure. You've been saying that you're sure that it would be happening for yeah. months well, now. Okay, that's true. 
That's true. Man, it's January. Started the trios last April. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Over to you, Diane. Well, I had Monday off, and Mm -hmm. I was very glad that I did because I had a certain sense of looming foreboding about the event. About Wednesday? About Wednesday for inauguration. And the reason why we're saying, because we usually don't talk about political things, but this isn't even political. This is... Uh, happening of our country. This but, is a. This has to do with tone. You know, this has to do with uh, confidence, uh, and uh, and the. There, I think that there was a collective release of anxiety, on Wednesday that was. Surprising to virtually everybody. You know, I don't think anybody was ready for the. Uh, the emotional response that they had to what happened on Wednesday. I know I wasn't ready for it. I had not been planning to take the day off, but when I looked at my work roster and and thought about the importance of the event, I didn't really want to just watch it behind this, you know, behind yeah. working, right. um, which I think some people did. But I, I thought, you know, I really want to be able to concentrate on this. And and because of that, I started watching really early, you know, that because I didn't quite know when everything was going to happen. I thought, well, I'll just watch. And my emotional response from the moment go was surprising to me, you know, just with the all the speeches, everybody as they came out. I mean, I, I thought that it was just me. And then I started reading all sorts of articles and hearing people speak um, in various shows that we watch, and they had exactly the same emotions, emotional ride that I had, because I was astonished that I would burst into tears at unexpected moments. I mean, sobbing tears, not just like having a few tears in my eyes. I just get caught up in a sob you know and I realized that there were many issues that were being addressed uh, that I hadn't realized how hungry I was for the addressing of those issues Hmm. and particularly to have, have when President Biden said let's have a moment to recognize the 400,000 people who have died of the coronavirus, and I just burst into sobs when he said that. And I realized, and I told you that um, your song couples him, where you said, nothing sacred's been spread over the dead. And that was what I felt, was that we needed the recognition that this has happened and how many that is and and something about having the the flags instead of people on the mall oh yeah was actually quite moving to me right. and i mean i know it was a recognition of those who could not be there for the inaugural 
because of the COVID-19 virus, but I also felt like there was a, a feeling of them being the people who have also passed, you know. And I was riveted for the entire day. I, I decided to take, I, I think I only worked a couple of hours, um, watched more than I've ever watched of any inauguration. Yep. Watched the parades across America. I watched the concert that evening and was inspired by it all. And I think that the reason why it was so inspiring to me is that it was collective. It was a collective recognition of here unsung heroes of sort of trying to rev you up to um to participate in this democracy and and of course was totally blown away by the poem the hill we climb by amanda gorman totally blown away so for yeah, they me had a, they had a poetry break in the yeah <laughs> But there was nobody going, poetry break! I don't know why. They, they couldn't have a, had somebody up there. Just, I mean, you know. Anyway. Felt was. more moved by the national anthem than I've ever felt in my life listening to that song. Um, I just, I was, I was stunned by the impact that it all had on me. Yeah. So. I think everybody was. Or a lot of people, a lot more people than thought that they would be stunned, were stunned. Because it was, it was a release of something. For me, it was a lot of anxiety, you know, because it, I was concerned. Was well, there going to be an explosion? Was there going to be a, a, an assassination attempt? Was there going to be, you know, some kind of uh, violent interruption, you know? Yeah, that's the way I had felt as well. So you were, I was, you were still holding a certain amount of tension in your body uh, even as those things were happening and then to see it come off as as nicely as it did and uh, was just I don't know made and, uh, me feel made me feel kind of whole again in a way that I had felt kind of fragmented and scattered you know? of course the I was expecting the the reaction I would have to seeing the first woman vice president yeah. uh, sworn in and the first woman of color. Yeah. And I just felt like that was a pretty remarkable moment that I wanted to participate in. I did not want to just watch it in the news. I wanted to be there in as real a time as internet can provide what's available to us anyway historic time and it really did uh, consume our attention Uh, how could it not you know and you know it's moments like that give you kind of renew a sense of hope and you know you know it's tempered by the reality that it might be short-lived but you figure like you were saying at one point hey i I deserve this moment. You yeah. Know? You know, if you're going to have a moment where there's hope, you know, embrace it, enjoy it, you know, fully occupy it. Let whatever emotion it brings up in you out. I mean, why not? Um, 
Well, I think that everybody realizes that there has to be a change. <laughs> there has to be a change in the way that things have been going. And I feel like, yeah, there's work ahead of us, but isn't there always a call to action? I mean, isn't there always a moment where you feel like things can be done, that you can surpass the odds? Mm. If you don't have that feeling, then you're not going to start. So that was what I felt, was this was a call to action and to recognize what's been um, existing to recognize the problems that we have, to know that we are going to have to still work to on those issues. But even the invitation for us all, that we all have a responsibility to that. I loved that that was part of the inauguration speech by President Biden, that he was basically saying, you have a responsibility to this, I have a responsibility to this. We do this collectively. And if enough of us try to do the right thing, you know, that that will affect the world. And, you know, I'm noticing that the tall candle in back is starting to have empathy for the runt <laughs> candle. You know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of dimming down in a, in a sense of he's trying to create unity amongst the candles. It's nice. It's nice to see. Well, we have a very long piece of music. We do. And so we are not going to talk as long this morning. Yeah. I think I just wanted to share that um, with everybody that I probably had the same reaction that they did. Yeah. And even people who have political differences to my own um, feelings... They were saying they were moved too. So yeah. I and think it, it was a it was a day that we needed as a And it's a it's a it's a reminder that our differences in beliefs, our differences in I you know, in ideas and ideals are not really uh, what runs the country. Right. The country is based on setting our different opinions down. And doing the work that needs to be done by all of us for all of us. So I think that if if that point can be driven home, that we're not trying to make you think the way we think, that right. we're not trying to change who you are, we're just trying to do something together. Right. You know, in spite of our differences. Or what you know, can we agree on and what can we get done right. with that those agreements? Right. And I think that that's uh if we focus on the issues that are ready at hand, yeah. <laughs> uh, which are many, that mm. we can hopefully... I am going to be optimistic at this point because what else can you do? Right. You know, just I feel like let's give it a shot, folks. Yeah. Let's try. Yeah. Anyway, um, the other amazing thing of this week that really excited me was just that we're moving forward on your poetry book and it's it's ever more uh closing in on fruition yeah it's true and it not it's nicer i mean you know i was looking through it this morning and the flow of it is better now <laughs> thanks to your uh help so 
I like that. So when I was thinking about music for today, I was thinking this has been such a week of uh, powerful feeling. And there's really no music to represent it as well as Ode to Joy for me. Because one of the things I always loved about Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, it's not just that it's this sort of riotous uh, feeling of joy, but it has lots of darkness that gets you into that place. And there's even this this one little part that sounds like work, sort of, da, 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 you know, it's got a, a feeling of there's work here. And for whatever enterprise that you could think of, it's a marvelous uh, feeling to to see the the darkness and the the uplift. And I just, but I felt like that was the experience that I was having this week yeah. was uh, that combination of darkness and uplift and a rallying cry. And also because it's the one piece in my life that I've had spontaneous weeping when I'm not expecting it. Right. Sort of like what happened during the inauguration. Yeah. So, but, but it's, uh, it's like 24 minutes long. But we're going to play the thing because what the heck? Yeah. So you there's, can listen to it nothing. all, or you can listen to, you know, you yeah. can fast forward, you can stop whenever you, you want. You can write down the number of this episode, and if there's times when you need some uplift, you can come back and listen to it then. Yeah. And the, the thing that was really interesting to me about the Ninth Symphony, I think, is that... Diane was doing research. Yes, I was doing research yeah. this morning. Yeah. And there was actually an article called The Unique Story of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And it was, the symphony was remarkable for several reasons, it says. It was longer and more complex than any symphony to date and required a larger orchestra. But the most unique feature of the ninth was that Beethoven included chorus and vocal soloists in the final movement. He was the first major composer to do this in a symphony. I thought that was really fascinating, but it said that he actually started thinking about Friedrich Schiller's Ode to Joy poem to music when he was 22 years old. And over the following years, he would return to this text, occasionally sketch some possible themes for it, but no music was completed. Of course, they say in the article, the Ode to Joy has become one of the most recognized melodies of all music. But he didn't start writing this until 18... 22 and that was when he recalled his uh, interest in the Ode to Joy poem and it said a movement based on this famous melody was exactly what he needed for the new symphony and so he when he was going to be performing it the orchestra had to be supplemented with additional musicians and a chorus of 90 was needed to balance the strength of the orchestra but I thought this part was so interesting. By 1824, Beethoven was almost entirely deaf, but still wanted to be part of the performance and was on stage while the piece was performed to indicate the tempos. 
yet Beethoven could not resist helping the musicians on stage by showing them the style and dynamics that he wanted. The great composer's actions were animated, to say the least. One musician wrote that he stood in front of the conductor's stand and threw himself back and forth like a madman. At one point, he stretched to his full height. At the next, he crouched down on the floor. He flailed about with his hands and feet as though he wanted to play all the instruments and sing all the chorus parts. It was a good thing that the conductor had already instructed the musicians not to pay attention to the composer. Beethoven's deafness created one of the most touching stories in music. When the symphony was completed, he remained facing the orchestra and could not hear the thunderous applause of the audience for his new symphony. Carolyn Unger, the mezzo-soprano soloist, had to tap the deaf composer's arm and have him turn around so he could see how the crowds responded. Many of those in attendance, including Miss Unger, had tears in their eyes when they realized the extent of Beethoven's deafness. Somehow that that so moved me to think of this man still facing the chorus doesn't realize that the the audience is on their feet. The audience is cheering and, and he can't hear the thunderous applause and I just feel like <laughs> For so many of the artists that were not recognized in their lifetime, that's sort of a, a way of seeing art, that you are not able to hear the thunderous applause that everybody... You don't know the effect that your, that your work has had on people yeah. who hear it, you know. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice, it's a good story. And just, the, just conceptualizing writing music when you're deaf. Right. You know. But, I mean, you, you know, you hear it in your head, so, I mean, he could hear what he was composing, but, uh, yeah. So we decided to include the whole last movement, and when we first were listening, Bill said, this is it? <laughs> he was surprised to hear the soloists singing. And I was saying, yeah, this is it, you know, yeah. the um, because he didn't realize that a lot of the the last movement was sung. So I just think it's it's such a grand build in this last movie. It covers a lot of territory, that's what it does. And we should get to it. Let's do it.
nicht diese Töne. Sondern lasst uns angenehmere anstimmen. Thank <laughs> you. 